Alrighty, uh, Chase Hunter, welcome back. Um, this is Drunk Valorant, episode number three. Um, so unlike the first two episodes where we had one big overarching theme that we were going to be discussing about, today we've actually got a couple of uh, smaller things that we're going to go over. Um, starting off, we've got to talk about the new Agent Chamber. Uh, then we're going to just briefly discuss the maps, what you like about certain maps, what you don't like about them. Uh, and then we're going to talk about smurfs in ranked, uh, like consistency of how we play. And then we're going to speak briefly on like um, uh, like lineups for like abilities and alts and how we feel about that. Um, and maybe we might talk about some new agent abilities that we'd like to see in the game, depending on time. Um, that being said, there's a very important thing that we need to go over right now. What are you guys drinking tonight? Yeah, Hunter, you want to start off? I know you just grabbed a drink, so. Absolutely. Well, this one I saved, uh, you know, I'm going to give some ASMR for you all. There you go. I'm popping a Bud Light seltzer, which hot take here. I think it's the best seltzer on the market. We've got a strawberry to start us off and a black cherry. I'm very excited. Very hot take, but, you know, I've not tried the Bud Light seltzer. Um, I don't You're missing think... out. I don't know if those are available in Canada yet. Uh, no, I, I have seen them at the liquor store. Maybe I got They've been out for a long time. They've been out for like over a year and, at this point. So if they're coming to Canada, they should already be there. Yeah, no, they, they're definitely in stores. I've never gone as far as to purchase one myself. But. With such a high recommendation, I think we're going to have to check that out next time I'm at the BC liquor store. Awesome. You really should. Yeah. All right. Um, I am kicking it back, not going as fancy as I usually am during the podcast, but... I'm a, I'm a couple of Coors Banquets deep right now, so I'm going to finish off my current current banquet, and then I've got a bit of whiskey as a backup. But. Lovely. Alrighty, yep. Um, so I went and took some of Chase's alcohol and made myself a cocktail. So I'll be drinking a whiskey sour tonight. Nice. Um, With some fireball whiskey. Some fireball whiskey. <laughs> that is oh, an interesting... Maybe. Interesting sour choice. <laughs> that sounds disgusting, honestly. I'm not going to lie. Actually, it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Now, I did mask it quite a bit with all the other things I threw into here because it's not just a straight-up whiskey sour. I added in some uh, some cherry hearing, um, a bit of curacao, uh, and then some sweet vermouth. So there's but basically it's a there. it's a New Jersey turnpike is what you're saying. <laughs> oh, okay. yeah, Long Island iced tea. Yeah, more or less. Actually, though, um, I'm going to hit you guys with a couple quick trivia questions to start this oh, episode baby. off here. Oh, Hope no. Hope you guys have been doing your research. Okay. Do you expect me to do work for this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Question number one. How many agents can flash through walls? I'm going to say, uh, two. I feel like this is a trick. Two. Okay. I'm going two. <laughs> See, I'm going to say this is a reverse trick question where you're, you're meaning to make us think it's a trick question, but it's actually not. So I'm just going to say one. Uh, that's what I believe. Well, but it's definitely Breach and Reyna. Okay, okay. So is there, a, is there one that I'm missing? Final answers? I mean, final I answers like too. I'm not going to be a wimp. <laughs> I said one. I'm not going back okay. on it, even though the answer I is three. Base, you missed Omen. 
Omen. Oh, okay. Uh, if you're gonna call paranoia a flash. flash. Yes, it is. Paranoia is absolutely a flash. Uh, paranoia is as much of a flash as Rain's flash is. Okay, yes, you're I mean, right. If you want to get technical, right. it's in your sight, but like that's still a flash. It's just like I was not thinking of duelists. What do you mean? It, see, you got like, Raina. when I yeah, I know. I was think I was thinking like okay, like I have breach. Like that's the yeah. one that immediately came to mind, right? And I was like, right, oh right. shit, there's also Reyna. And then I wasn't mm-hmm. thinking anything past that. Mm. Yeah, you could you could get semantic with it and ask if nearsighting, which both Omen and Reyna do when you look at her Lear, is considered a flash or not. But you know, I'll I'll accept. Oh, okay, here. okay. That's a tri- that's a good way to think about it. Is it might be it might just be one. It, it could yeah. potentially be one if you want to consider nearsights to not be flashes. Mm. Um, but okay, on to question number two. What is Viper's real name? Oh, Sabine. We... Yes. Uh, yep. It's Sabine. Yes. Okay. I do know that one. Cass and I, we went over this the other day because there was a call out in the game, uh, yeah. like a voice line that uh, called Viper by her real name. And I was like, who the fuck, who the is, fuck that? is that? And <laughs> Cass was like, oh, yeah, that's Viper's name. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Whose alt can hit for the most damage in a single round? And just to be clear, for this question, we're talking actual damage. So, like, Viper's yes. Decay doesn't count as damage. Yes, we are talking okay. actual damage. Decay does not count. Um. Wait, so... Okay, who's the way this is worded, damage? I feel like this has to be Brim, because it, hypothetically, you could ult the entire team. But it only hits them the for brim. 160 each. Yeah, but the thing is, like, Ray's the only other person I can think of who can damage an entire team, and that only hits for 150 each. Jet. So that's why I think... Oh. What does the knife to the head do? 150. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's Brim. I'm going uh, Brim, final answer for me. No, I think, I think you could, you could uh, do some tricky shit where you're, like, two knives to the body and then one to the head is over-damaged. Oh. And of course, Cass would go there, for that. And therefore, it, uh, it resets, and you could do that to each member on the team. So I'm going to go with Jet. Ace is right. correct. <laughs> it is Jet. Um, so actually, outside of the two to the body, one to the head, which is part of the calculation for max potential damage with an alt. Um, neither Brim nor um, Raze, if you were to use that single instance and kill everybody, uh, that doesn't allow for Phoenix Alt and Sage Revive. Right, Both right. of which, once you bring into play, allow an alt to do more damage. I should have expected um, Cass was going to find yeah. some cheeky way to talk about how great Jet was. <laughs> Very I was thinking like Sova too. Could is it also in that conversation for the sub ult? But it's yeah. Would you be able to definitely count, not count for the res there? You, I yeah, mean, it would I, have well, to be res in between, the res there, right? like the first. It would have to be res. No, because you can't get the kill right. Because you'd have yeah, to do two. Would, you'd have to res and in between the first and the second, and still have enough time for the res to pop. I don't think that would work, and it still wouldn't yeah. be as much damage technically as doing the two to the body, one to the head. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, which two agents are considered the perfect pair, according to an agent's voice line at the beginning of a round? That is uh, Reyna and Sage. Uh, Sage, we are the perfect pair. You take life, I give it, or something like that. I'm not sure about the, the tail end of that. 
Well, yeah, other way around, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, I I didn't um, know that voice line by okay. heart, but. Uh, who is considered the captain of the team? Brimstone. Yeah, Brim. Who is second in command? Sage. Sage. Alrighty. Which map has a draft? Has a, has what? a what? A draft. As in, like, the animal you could potentially find a in a giraffe. Zoo. Oh, I thought you were saying a draft, like like it's windy on this map. Yeah, <laughs> or like a nice beer, like a draft beer. Oh, Funny because yeah. I actually I actually trialed these questions with uh with our buddy Alex, and he he thought I said the exact same thing. Yeah, maybe you should work on. Your and you didn't English correct speaking. your pronunciation yeah. after the trial run. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so much for a trial run. Uh, yeah. Okay. What map has a giraffe? Uh, I'm gonna. I really have no idea, but I'm gonna say bind because bind is set in the only scenario where yeah, I was. There would make I sense. was gonna say bind as well, um, but I feel like it could be, like, could be weird and and sneaky. But I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go bind. The answer is ascent. Where when you exit, uh, when you exit garage, pushing onto B site, kind of in between market and CT. There is a large draft on the wall. Oh, there's a giraffe mural. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I've never seen that. Yeah, shows you how much we uh, play, <laughs> play this game, man. How much okay. we take into what? account our surroundings. <laughs> what is the name of Phoenix's free ability? Is it is his free ability his flash or is it his molly? It is his molly. It's his molly. Um, dang it! Because oh, I know the hot, molly is called hot it, hands. Isn't it hot hands? Yep. Yeah. There you yeah. go. Oh, I was gonna say hot hands, but I thought that was his Molly. <laughs> yeah. No. No. It, it is. But it, no. No. His no, flash is curveball. Curveball. Curve yeah. Of course. Okay. How many bullets do you get when you buy a phantom? Um, one twenty. Is it one fifty? Nope, Hunter got it. it it's one twenty. Okay. You get thirty. I was thinking three reloads. Thirty preloaded, and you get yeah ninety See, back I, up. My, uh, I was thinking, is it one twenty plus the thirty in your clip? But mm. no, you get you get ninety in reserve, and then thirty in your mag. Yeah. Uh, okay, so actually, we ended up talking about this the other day while we were playing. So let's see if you guys remember the answer to this one. How much does Brim's stim beacon speed up your fire rate? Fifteen percent. Uh, enough to fuck you up. <laughs> both are correct. I'll accept, I'll accept both of those answers. Yeah. Uh, okay, and last question we got here. How much damage does Sky's Doggo do if it bites you? Mm, is it, 30, I believe. Is it 30 or 40? I think it's 30. It cool, is 30. 30, yeah. It was right. 15, and then they buffed it to 30, I believe. Getting killed by that dog is the worst feeling. It's humiliating. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm I'm just gonna get stunned here. I'll I'll be fine. I'm yeah. tucked into a corner, and then you die. Like, I don't ah. know if that's the worst ability to die to. It might be. The worst ability to die to is your of... fake footsteps. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow you find a way. If you get know. spooked by Yoru's footsteps, so you take fall damage and die. That's the, the yeah. worst way to die. That would definitely be uh, the worst. I'm thinking a a blast pack would would feel pretty bad. Blast packs would be rough. 
Yeah, they're, they're, they, uh, they're, it used to be, of course, that blast packs would do the full damage immediately. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you were about to die in, like, a 1v2, you could just chuck them on the spike, and then the defenders come to defuse, and then they, they die. Actually, that I'm realizing that's automatically when they go off, so that still is a thing. It's just people don't think about it as much. I saw a clip on Reddit the other day. Someone doing that. Pretty rough. It's like a mini, like, KJ Molly. Yeah. Like, it doesn't last for as long. <laughs> right. But if you just need to spare a couple of seconds, I guess it works. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it also required them to be at pretty low health because, I mean, I guess I don't know how much damage it does, but I don't think it does a lot. I'm pretty sure it does 50. It does 50? Yeah. That's significant, but it's very why, rare. Why that have you're I getting never hit. seen a blast pack kill that? Just because, first of all, it has a very specific timing, and you can't throw them very far, and you can also shoot them to destroy them. So, mm. for all those reasons, you just—it's very situationally effective. Yeah, okay. they're not really used as a weapon. Yeah, they used to be used as a weapon. I think before you started playing, when they would detonate for the full damage immediately, because you could throw one around a corner, detonate it, and then yeah, you do the fifty damage. But you right. just don't see that now anymore. Because if you do that, you do like five damage. Oh, I see. Because it has to like charge has up to arm, the damage. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you if you wait for it to go off, either the person moves or they just shoot it. Right. Oh, interesting. Well, I... I didn't know that. That's how it worked. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like, I, I was, I was just kind of thinking, like, if it did fifty damage, I feel like, you know, like, it, let's say you know someone's a wood pile, right? You chuck it there, yeah. You just chuck it in there, and then it kind of forces them to either swing you or eat that damage. Yeah, that's like, yeah you oh, used to be able to do that. It was kind of broken. Yeah. Is would it be broken? I don't know. That's basically just a shock dart, but worse. Yeah. Well, I, it's good because you can throw it out so quickly. So, like, you can throw it out, and then you can you can push, like, immediately afterwards. Whereas, like, with a shock dart, it takes more time to set up, as well as, you know, then you have to re-equip your gun. And I, I don't, actually don't know how the equip times compare, yeah. but the setup is definitely a lot shorter for the the satchel. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, That's, at some any good rate. Trivia, some good trivia, yeah. Cass. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, I, I, I legitimately, legitimately like all of those, except for the dumbass uh, jet one. I like that one because I got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. So moving on to the more meteor part of this uh, podcast here. Uh, First up on the docket, we got Chamber, the new agent coming to the game. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, a hunter having access to the Valorant PBE lent me his account so I could go on and mess around with him. Um, I have to say, so far, I'm, I'm liking him. And will probably be what I play when somebody locks Jet before me. Yeah, I mean that's what you were saying from from the beginning when the abilities were released is that you wanted mm-hmm. to have this as a secondary because you know a lot of people insta lock and for some reason you refuse to, um, even <laughs> though you only guy. you only play Jet but you refuse to insta lock and then you hate yourself when someone else locks Jet. <laughs> Very accurate. But, I mean, I haven't gotten able to, or I haven't been able to play Chamber yet, so I don't have too much to say about him, uh, other than, like, just general thoughts on what his abilities are going to be, or how useful it's going to be. I know, I'm assuming, Hunter, you've also played him since you have access to the beta. To be honest, I have not, because the, the PBE went live last night, 
and I was more excited for Cass to try him than me. So Cass tried him, and then I was too tired to try him yeah. afterwards, so I went to bed. I have not tried him yet, but I've watched Cass try him. And then uh, earlier this morning, I did actually hop on your account again and uh, play, in a, or play a game on the PBE with him. No way. You better have recorded some of it. Uh, actually, no. No, I did oh not. Oh, my God, Cass. No way. Um, okay, but... Uh, okay, so let's talk about his actual abilities here. Um, so Hunter saw me messing around with uh, a bunch of his stuff the other day, um, just in a, like, I just loaded up a custom game and went on to different maps and kind of figured out, like, okay, how do I want to try to set up utility? Um, like, what kind of shenanigans can I use uh, his E for? And one of the things that I figured out, um, so for, for any of you guys who haven't seen any of Chambers' gameplay yet and aren't aware, uh, number one, he can actually pop his ult before the round starts, uh, which is really nice because uh, certain duels that you want to take with an op, uh, like you want that gun in your hand ready to go. Uh, whereas with any other agent, you would you like you have to pop ult after the round starts, and so that would pretty much preclude you from taking certain peaks. So I think it's nice that you can do that. Uh, and then also, during the buy phase, before the walls go down, um, you've got a very minimal delay on your your E ability. So you can actually kind of use it relatively freely prior to the round starting. Yeah, this is something um, that uh, I was very surprised about. So um, his E ability is the teleport, correct? So it's yeah, like yeah. a short-range teleport. You have to throw down these two cards, and then you can teleport instantly from one card to the other. Uh, if you're in yep. range of them. So um, you can throw those cards down and you can throw them up on like boxes and shit, right? So yes. like you can actually throw them up places that you wouldn't be able to access with your character, um, typically, unless you have movement abilities like this, uh, and then teleport to that before the round starts for free. Yeah. Yep. So you, can, the one... you can take those high chase. angles. Yeah. The one thing that Cass and I discovered is that to activate your teleport, uh, you know, at the initial destination, you do have to be on the same level as the teleporter. So you can't place both of them in up high places. You have to place one of them on ground that you can access. But then you can use that to get to the high place. So that's the one thing Cass and I discovered after Cass playing around with it last night. But still, the point stands. He's an, He's one of the... Uh, I guess three agents, sorry, four, uh, Omen, Raze, Jet, and now Chamber, who can get to spots that no other agent can reach. Yeah, that's very interesting, because obviously you place one in a in a safe space, you put one up um, on a box or something where you want to take that opening duel, and then yep. you go teleport from the safe one to the higher spot, uh, take the duel, and then you can instantly get out to the other one as soon as the round starts if you need to. Um, so a, a couple things, uh, to, to be a bit more specific on what Hunter was saying, um, basically when you drop your, your little anchor on the ground, um, there's an invisible cylinder, uh, that is roughly the height of your character and your character needs to be, needs to be in contact with that cylinder to be able to, to activate that teleport. So if you put it on a box that like is, you know, like waist high, that's totally fine, and you can use that at that level. It's just as soon as it gets to be above your head is when you wouldn't be able to activate it from that location. 
could you jump? Yeah, and to clarify one thing that Cass oh, said. Oh, no, you must be grounded to activate your teleport. Okay. Yep, it actually gives you a little pop-up on screen that says you must be grounded if you try to do it in the air. Um, one to clarify what Cass said about it being invisible, there actually is for you a visible circle on the ground that shows the range that you can use your teleport, but the invisible part is it doesn't show how far up that goes. So you can see the width on the ground, you, you just have to play around to figure out how high you can put it to be able to use it. Mm -hmm. um, okay, next thing, so is Q ability. Uh, uh, the the sheriff, uh, what I think is going to be his weakest ability. Um, number one, there is currently a visual bug in the game. Right, where I saw this too today. Every single shot going dead center if you full on spam it, like into a wall, like something where you yeah. can see where your shot is going. Uh, it looks like every single shot is going dead center, but there's actually recoil built into the gun, the exact same as the sheriff is. Um, yeah. So hopefully by the time Chamber comes out to uh, to the live servers, that visual bug will be fixed. Yeah, so to, to make sure that that's perfectly clear, so the advantage that the Sheriff has over, sorry, the uh, whatever it's called. Do you remember what the ability is called for Chamber Gas? Headhunter? That's what I was thinking too. So if we're both thinking that, then I think that's what it is. So the Headhunter ability, it it doesn't have bullet deviation, meaning your first shot when you're fully still is 100% accurate when you're only ADSing. ADS. Yes, only ADSing, unlike the Sheriff. But what's currently showing up right now, at least in the PBE, is if you spam it really fast, it's showing if you shoot a wall, all your bullets going into one exact hole, one exact location. Whereas in actuality, if you try to shoot a bot with it or another player and you spam it really fast, then you'll see, oh, wait a minute, my bullets aren't all hitting. And it's it's like the Sheriff in that it does actually get inaccurate if you're spamming it. And the, for some reason, when you're shooting a wall, it doesn't show that. That's interesting. Um, mm -hmm. I guess, obviously, in-game, that doesn't matter as much, unless you were just trying them out in the right. range and thought that that was a feature. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I thought it was a feature. I thought I yeah. could spam it as fast as I possibly could, and every bullet would go where I wanted it to. And then while I was messing around trying to shoot bots in the range, I'm like, where the fuck are my goddamn bullets? Like, I swear to God, I'm on this bot's head. Um, What's... Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. And so I was saying, like, that that was something that, like, well, number one, it made me think I had really dog shit aim in the range <laughs> when nothing's even shooting back at well, me. Well, you, you do. <laughs> well, yes, that's true, but I don't want the game to shove it down my throat. Yeah. <laughs> Let me find that true. out naturally in game when I fucking whiff a goddamn clip into someone. Um... <laughs> But yeah, so I, I do think that'll be his weakest ability. Um, unfortunately, by nature of only one of us having the PB, I was really hoping to, uh, in the custom game, have somebody be on the other team um, so we could figure out what or how loud his like teleport is, um, whether you can hear his bots on the ground, like certain audio stuff like that, which I wasn't able to test out, unfortunately. Um, but I guess the real question is, do you guys think he'll see play in the professional meta? Before we get to that, I want to come back to uh, one thing uh, that you said, Cass. We were mm -hmm. talking about the visual bug of the of the headhunter, and then you also said something that I agree with after watching you play right last night, which is that we think that the headhunter is likely going to be his weakest ability, uh, just because obviously it 
can be useful on pistol rounds to have a better sheriff. But the cost of having that better sheriff is you have to... If you, if you pay the full price of a sheriff, if you pay $800, then you have a gun that, yeah, it's better, but also it only has eight bullets. Uh, so I don't remember the specific ammo count that you get with a sheriff, but it's at least three times that, maybe four. So you even there, it's a real question of do you use it? Obviously, we were discussing some scenarios like on Breeze where maybe you have a phantom and you want to take a long-range duel, maybe you're flanking, so you think they're not going to expect you, and you want to be able to have the one-tap headshot. So there are a couple scenarios where it could be useful, but it just doesn't seem like it's going to be that overall useful. So uh, one thing I came up with just now is maybe a future buff for the ability is that it is fully spammable. Like, it is perfectly accurate when you're spamming it. Maybe this visual bug could hint at a way that it could be buffed to be usable, because... You know, if you have a gun that headshots anyone and is fully spammable and accurate, like, that could actually, all of a sudden, be enough of an upgrade over the Sheriff that it's worth the money, even despite having lower ammo. What do you guys think about that? I'm I'm just not totally sure it's going to be his worst ability. I just think that... Interesting. Um, I mean, especially at, at higher levels, where you're less likely to miss on that shot. Um, but I think that it could be very, very usable for eco rounds or pistol or something like that to give a little bit of variety because a lot of the, like, say, pistol round buys are shorter range guns. Right? You have your Frenzy, your Classic. Um, even the, like, the Ghost is the not... Shorty. The Shorty, yes. Even your Ghost is not, like, super long range. But mm-hmm. you can have a That's Frenzy true. and you can have a couple of bullets for your... Um, for your like ability, headhunter, your, yeah, your headhunter, yeah. and that for, for gives the record, you... we're not a hundred percent confident that that's what the ability is called. Just yeah, that out there. Yeah, okay. um, we're confident. Okay, but the confidence the is current... key, Cass. <laughs> okay, uh, the current meta that everybody seems to be doing is you buy four bullets for it, and you buy light shields. Uh, at least it is called headhunter we don't have to discuss it anymore i just looked it up okay um basically yeah so you buy four bullets for it which uh unfortunately means you can't ace and pistol round with it um at least exclusively with it but the idea being is you get your you get your four really powerful shots um and you can actually ads down long sight lines which nobody else with a pistol can do and then you have your classic to fall back on yeah, I think that that's a huge thing for pistol round. Like that's, like that's very very good. Having an ADS mm-hmm. gun that can one tap to the head, and you get light shields, or some utility like what some other utility if you want your your bot or something. I'm not sure how much everything costs, but um, yeah, I think the bots two hundred. Yeah, do you get per? you get two of those bots? You get you get two of them. I, th- I want to say they're two hundred per. Um, like when I was messing around in the custom game, I had. Like, I had infinite credits, so I wasn't actually paying attention to the cost. See, I wanted to talk about how that might be his weakest ability. The bots? Yeah, so I, I think that the um, that the headhunter might have its use in pistol round for sure, and possibly in later rounds where you have to save and you only have a couple extra creds to, to spend, but you get a couple of good shots with that. Uh, it could completely change how the economy works, just in, in another way similar to like jet knives. Um, 
and same with his op, right? Like the the ult. Oh yeah, I guess we didn't really talk about the alt. Uh, I'll get but, back to that. Yeah, we'll get back to that in a second. Uh, let's talk about the the slow bots because they don't hide like a um, like a killjoy alarm bot, right? Like they're very mm-hmm. visible. Yes, and they're easy to take out. So, like, I, I obviously haven't played with them in game, but I could see it not being the greatest ability. Well, okay, so there are a couple things with that. Um, now, obviously, I kept that in mind um, when I was messing around in the custom game. But, like, if you put it right around an angle, for example, um, you're on defense. You're playing Ascent B-Sight. If I set it on the left of the doorway that goes into Garage, like, number one, you can't see it until you exit Garage. And at that point, like... Your cross. If you got to swing your crosshair over there, so you're going to shoot that bot, like you're literally just going to be staring into a corner. So like, I feel like there are a bunch of places you can put it where, if nothing else, it'd be a massive inconvenience for you to have to take that out. Okay, like how far? How fast is the like tick rate? Like how, how many shots can it get off? Say a bunch of people push. Does it? Does it slow multiple people, or does it just slow the one? Yeah, that's a good question. So basically, when it sees someone and it pops, it creates a sage slow field, essentially, that's fairly large. So it, it slows the... Uh, if there's a hard push and someone doesn't shoot it and it goes off, that's going to slow the whole team pushing through that angle. And another thing that I didn't realize from the ability descriptions until I saw Cash trying it out last night is it also actually has a much larger range, like something like two times the range for activation of the uh, Killjoy alarm bot. So mm. in in exchange for it being more visible, uh, it, it can hit people from much farther away than the Killjoy alarm bot can. So I, I think after seeing it in action, it might actually be fairly viable. Uh, but the, the other thing is, is it gives Chamber the ability to peek off his bot. Like, I, I was messing around standing on top of, like, using my teleport to get onto um, the, the truck outside Hookah and just hiding around that corner. And if you place your bot right on the entrance to, um, to A short on, um, on bind, like, you can wait for your bot to go off or someone to shoot your bot and then swing from that off angle. So if nothing else, it gives information, which is valuable, and it gives you the ability to swing off its contact rather than having to swing off one of your teammates' contact. Yeah, just to confirm, you're talking about the truck outside of Lamps, right? Yeah, sorry, did I say hookah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, but it it made sense in context with the rest of your statement. It just messed me up for for a second. No, no, sorry. I I do often get those call-outs mixed up, uh, which is a very bad habit. But yes, no, you're correct. I was talking whenever, about whenever you do mess it up in game, I always understand exactly what you meant, though. So I don't <laughs> yeah, feel like definitely. it's a big deal. Yeah, definitely. It's not like you're playing like a site and then you're like, oh, this is happening in hookah. Like that doesn't. Yeah. So <laughs> I'd like be surprised if like, you knew. Yeah. Help, guys! They're pushing C. Yeah. That might throw me for a loop a little bit. Um, one one other thing, in addition to the ability to peek off contact, that I thought is very valuable is based off of our games where Cass plays Jet and Ops a lot. One of the big things that I tend to consider if I'm playing on the same site as Cass is that 
you know, it's a very normal scenario where you lose one person on the site where the op isn't, and you're not really sure, are they full pushing that site? Do they have some lurkers? What's going on here? Typically in that scenario, if I'm on the site with Cass, where Cass is an op and I don't, I feel obligated to stay with Cass to protect his backside, because if he gets pushed from two angles at once, uh, then the op becomes, uh, you know, not the best gun for the scenario, and he's a little bit screwed if someone sneaks up on him. But with the ability to have two of those bots, remember KJ only has one, even if he, pl he places them in a horrible position where they're easy to destroy, he can realistically, you know, have a bot on the one or two angles that he can't watch with the op, and he's a lot safer. I feel like I can feel much better about, in that case, leaving Cast to solo a site with Chambers Ultimate uh, because he's not vulnerable to being snuck up on from multiple angles at once. If his bot spots someone on one spot, then I can come back, or he can reposition, and he's in a much safer position. Yeah, that's actually a really good um, way of thinking about it. I think that that's that that makes the ability a bit more um, useful than I was thinking it would it would be. Uh, For sure. Yeah, just I, I wasn't like sure that. either until I saw it. Yeah, and yeah, then I mean, I feel like on offense, it's going to be a glorified flank walk, like pretty much the same way most people use cipher trip wires. Yeah, I'm not sure if Chase um, was done though. I think we may have cut Chase off there. Oh, no, no, sorry, no, you're, you're, we're good, we're good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So actually, uh, let's talk about his his alt. Um. The Tour de Force it's a sniper rifle. Yet is that the name of it? With it? Yeah, it's called the Tour de Force. That's a terrible name. Um, not a great name. Not gonna lie. Uh, well, Chase, if you think that's terrible, you should hear that when you equip it. It has the absolute lamest uh, voice line for any ultimate in the game. <laughs> what he is says, it? They're so dead. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> what he says. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, what what were they thinking? Riot, please. As Cass was saying. Yeah. I just, I cannot wait for some great clips where he pulls it out, like, they're so dead, and immediately gets one tap. <laughs> one tap? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's absolutely going to be clips of that. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, but that gun is nasty. It is basically like having a marshal that hits like an op. Like, and I, I know, I know, like when a bunch of people go and they like they test it out in the range. Visually, it looks like and sounds like it has a really long cycle time, um, because there's all the the things moving on the back of the gun after you fire the shot, and those things keep moving for a while. But you can fire a second shot really, really quickly. Yeah. yeah. Um. It, I... it is absolutely nasty. And you actually still have really good movement, like, with it. Like, it doesn't slow you down the same way an op does. So, re-peaking angles is significantly more viable with that than it is with an op. Yeah, Chase, did you, get a, did you get a chance to watch Cass using Chamber today, or no? I didn't get a chance to watch him, no. Okay. But I, what I was going to say is that I saw a little clip on YouTube today of somebody doing the, um, like, aim test in the range. Um, on hard with the the ultimate and getting like 38 out of 40 and <laughs> 28 out of 30 whatever okay 28 out of 30 um but in that like example you could just see how fast it can be accurate again right yeah. like every time one of those bots 
like pulls up. It obviously you don't need to get uh, a headshot as you would with any other gun in that um, test or or a body shot with the op. But like you could hit him in the legs, but it it was accurate enough to hit the target like every I don't know what is it half a second or something like that. Like it was ridiculously fast. Yeah. Yeah, I honestly wasn't sure how strong it would be uh, in terms of, you know, just how it would handle and how quick it would fire. Because before we saw any footage of it, the leak said that it would be somewhere between a marshal and an operator. And that's, of course, a huge range because the marshal is extremely fast and the op is super slow. But watching Cass play it last night, it was very clear. It is so much closer to the marshal than the op. Uh, I was wowed like my eyes were literally wide open as i was watching Cass uh quick scope the uh drones and stuff at the range like i honestly will be extremely uh worried about pushing that thing uh if i'm on offense and the enemy chamber pops his ult and i think that's really interesting and what Cass has been begging for to have an op uh buff yeah op here buff. Is an op <laughs> buff. yeah in the form of an ultimate yeah, if you haven't um, listened to the uh, episode where we talk about the op and Cass's, <laughs> yeah, uh, I guess it could we could probably talked about it in both episodes actually previously. They're probably um, more in the agents one actually. Yeah, we were yeah. talking about uh, buffing the op so that Jet would be better. I, a weird no, no, take no, no, no. Cass, I was saying but... you buff the op so that you're not required to play Jet to use yeah. an op. Which I think that's exactly what Chamber is going to allow you to do, right? It, yeah. it does allow for a for a team comp to not have a jet and have someone who can viably off, uh, which yeah. will be Chamber. Uh, or alternately have a jet as well, but not yeah. have the jet necessarily be opping, which also right. nerfs one of the biggest problems with jet. Yeah. Um, that being said, I do think teams will still continue to run jet. Her dash is really, really fucking strong. Yeah. Um. Okay, so actually, that's a really good segue into talking about uh, where, where do we think that he's going to sit in the meta? Do you think he's going to get use? Because I think, I don't know if he's a viable replacement for a Killjoy or a a Cypher, uh, being the two mainstay Sentinels that are known for just, like, locking down a site. Um, because, yeah, your, your AWP is really strong, but cost seven alt points you're not going to have that up every round the same way you can have alarm bot plus turret plus nanos um or the same way you can have like your your page plus uh tripwire combo to like keep people out of sight so like do you think he's going to be played i mean i think yes he will be played i i don't know exactly what the team comps are going to be especially like up in professional um but in ranked he seems like especially at our elo like very good uh if you can have someone that's not a duelist be opping um if you want to like if you're someone like you cast that likes to op a lot but doesn't necessarily like to enter then like this is kind of the perfect character for that um yep and so i feel like that could have a lot of applicability um just for for people who who want to take that play style and chamber seems to be the character for that so i think he will get a lot of play especially if he's as good with that ult as you guys are making it seem um like i know you were talking about possible like nerfs or, or uh, buffs earlier but like 
maybe maybe he's gonna need nerf at some point. <laughs> <laughs> if that's if that's uh, ult is so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna respond to something that both of you said that uh, when Chase, you're talking about him being really good and ranked. Unfortunately, I could very much see Chamber being the new Reyna, being the king of the hard smurfer. <laughs> because with his headhunter, like we talk about, well, how viable is it going to be at the pro level? But you know someone who has Diamond 2 aim who is smurfing in iron? Like they're going to be able to tap heads on those irons. So just being able to stack up their headhunter and just go to town on people, it's going to be interesting to see if they have to do something similar that they did to Reyna. And I don't know what it would be in this case where they have to, you know, worry about the fact that the that Chamber is the go-to for Smurfs, because I could totally see that, since, you know, he he gets guns, and people with much better uh, skills are going to be able to use those guns well. And kind of has uh, the ability to, quote-unquote, dismiss out of there if needed. Yeah, true, I, I true, that know, too. I don't know if it's going to be better than Reyna, though. Like, for for specifically for a Smurf. Well, because, with, the, with... Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Because Reyna's two... Uh, abilities, E and Q, the Devour and Dismiss, are perfect for someone who's who's smurfing. Um, because anytime you get into a fight, if you're not going to get repeat, you can heal back to full. Which is which is why I feel like a lot of people who are smurfing would go towards Reyna than they would go towards Jet or towards Chamber. Because if you're smurfing, you're most likely thinking that you're going to get kills fairly reliably. I'm I'm going to hard disagree with you there, Cass, because when before the Reyna nerf, Reyna was very clearly the go-to smurf agent because she could take down an, an entire team uh, with her dismisses and heals, and she had four of them. So assuming there's no res, you mm-hmm. know, she kills four and can either heal or dismiss off them, and there's just the last person to kill. But... I, from my personal experience in Silver Games, I see a lot more Jet Smurfs than Reyna Smurfs right now. And I think the reason being that, as we've discussed on the podcast uh, previously and even today, Jet's strongest ability, even though all of her abilities are good, is her dash. And you get your dash back after two kills. Whereas with the Reyna, you dismiss, you heal, you heal twice, whatever. Then if you don't have your ult, then, you know, your kit, the value of your kit is greatly reduced, which means that as a smurf where you're looking to pub stomp, it, it it really does reduce her viability. Whereas with Chamber, if you are using her ultimate or if you're using a bunch of bullets in your headhunter, you can use that ability against the entire team. And that's why I'm thinking that Chamber might actually cut into uh, Jet's high pick rate for smurfs <laughs> and uh, you know possibly what's left of the Reyna smurfs as well. But the headhunter is not as good as having a vandal, right? Well, like, you see, vandal, that's true. A van- having a vandal is just better. Now, I understand in the context of his his Q ability, you can have both. You can have both the vandal and that. But I feel like when you're smurfing, realistically speaking, you're probably going to be rolling them, and you're going to be able to afford a gun more often than not. So I don't know how much his Q really comes into play for like, for a smurf there. Well, here's the thing, Cass. I very often see smurfs who are not just trying to sweat extremely hard and buy the bet, the most meta guns and ball out with them. I see a lot of jet smurfs 
constantly buying like full shields marshal or full shields sheriff and just head tapping people and and then getting out of dodge with the dash. Mm-hmm. So I agree that yeah, if a Smurf is actually buying in a way that you would expect, then yeah, the headhunter maybe has less value, but uh, you know, I think a lot of times Smurfs like to be like, haha, I'm dunking on these irons with a with a with a gun that, you know, I'm able to get the head taps with, and that's why I feel like the headhunter will be so strong for Smurfs. Yeah, okay. But I also yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Jason. Oh no, uh, you say your point and then I'll I'll keep going. Well, I was going to pivot to another thing about Chamber based on something Cass said much earlier, so if you want to go pile on to this discussion, now is the time. Oh, I was just going to say that I think that, um, I mean, Reyna smurfing seems to make a lot of sense, even post-nerf, because you can so easily heal back up, uh, and that's something that Chamber doesn't have. Um, And even with Jet's dash, like, you could still be damaged and the next person only has to hit you. But if you're smurfing, then you're expecting to win a fair gunfight because you're just better at aiming, most likely. So uh, it's very likely that you're going to get into a gunfight, take some damage, but win the gunfight. And then you can heal back up and do the same thing again uh, up to three times with Reyna, whereas you can't really do that with Chamber or Jet. Uh, so I, I could see it for, for that. I don't know how much Chamber is going to cut into that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see the stats because just like subjectively, I feel like I see more Jet Smurfs, but you guys seem to be saying you feel like you see more Reyna Smurfs. Maybe the people out uh, on the West servers are smurfing with Reyna and the people on the East servers are smurfing with Jet. I'd I'd be curious to see what the data is. I probably do see more Jet Smurfs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that I I feel like Reyna's a better agent to smurf on uh, for that Oh, then Chamber. Yeah. I see um, see what you're saying. Or or Jet, honestly. But I think that people just like playing Jet because she's fun and a like a broken character at this point, so you're just gonna true. You're gonna use her. Yeah, that is a lot of fun, and I wholeheartedly agree with that statement. All right, dude. Uh, people are sne- are sleeping on is uh, smurfing as a Yoru, which is what I do. I'm a <laughs> extremely filthy Smurf. I go from my uh, silver one or silver two account down to my bronze three or silver one Smurf account, where <laughs> I dunk on kids as Yoru. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> please don't look up my match history, but uh, trust me on this. I dominate as Yoru in those games. Okay, what oh, yeah. were you going to pivot to there? Right, right, right. So Cass was saying he doesn't see how Chamber is better than Cypher or Killjoy. And I think well, specifically that... specifically as that role. As a Sentinel? Well, like locking down sites? The, like the lockdown aspect. Yeah, yeah. So that is that is a good point, uh, or an interesting point to discuss. I half agree. I think that Killjoy, with her ability to do damage or increase damage with her alarm bot and nanos and her turret and her ability to, you know, have the lockdown, which really forces you to make a difficult decision. Uh, I don't think he is going to cut away from Killjoy because his Killjoy's role is really much better in locking down a site. I do think he's going to cut into Cypher's role. Uh, One piece of evidence I'll cite for this is that Dapper, who is one of the most uh, best and most popular Cypher players in NA. And he doesn't always play Cypher, obviously, but when he does, he plays it really well. Uh, he has talked about on Twitter how much he thinks Chamber is an agent tailor-made for him. And I think the thing about Cypher is that his utility in finding out if someone is is in a location with his camera and with his uh, tripwires is really good. But when it comes to holding a site, to 
you know, you've set up your tripwires, you've set up your camera, but it's a three or a five man push onto the site. That's where I think Cypher is much weaker than both Killjoy and Chamber because Killjoy has the ability to uh, do damage and with the alt force the team to reconsider if they even want to go to that site. Whereas with Cypher, if you're getting hard pushed, the tag from the camera only does so much. The tripwire will be broken very quickly. The the Cypher cage, it does something, but you know if you have enough players, they can flash and run through that and it's still not going to slow them down very much. Whereas with Chamber, when you literally are slowing them down with the slow field and you have the potential to pick them off as you're retreating from sight with the headhunter or straight up dominate a long angle with the op, I actually do think that Chamber will significantly cut into Cypher's pick rate, even if he doesn't cut into Killjoy's. Yeah, even then on, on attack, like Cypher's main job on attack is just watching flank. And yeah. I think that Chamber can do the exact same thing, is just instead of putting up a tripwire, you have your little bot there, and it'll mm-hmm. it'll tell you the same information on, on attack side. So I think it could yeah. absolutely cut into Cypher. Um, but you could also see it, I think, used in in comps where you're not necessarily replacing a Sentinel. Maybe you're just freeing True. up um, you're freeing up the duelist role with the op um, to do, to be something else, right? So you don't need a jet there because you need an opper. So maybe you you can have a raise an arena, um, and and your uh, your chamber as well, uh, without the requirement to have a jet in every team comp. I think that that frees up a lot. So I I could see him being used in like pro play or in like higher level matches for that reason as well. Well, okay. So I think he's, he's probably going to get a decent amount of uh, play on breeze specifically. Um, just oh, by yeah. nature of very long sight lines. Um, but I think the big question is who, who do you not play so that someone can play chamber? Um, because now, I, I without going into like exact team comps and everything, right? Just like generally speaking, you're gonna see a jet, you're going to see a sova. Except on will, split, yeah. Except on split. You will most likely see a sky. Um, and then you're probably gonna have a killjoy in there. And so I, I guess like there is still a free spot left that you can play chamber with. Um, but oftentimes you'll see like a, a second duelist or, um, I mean, did you mention a controller? Oh, fuck. No, I didn't mention smokes. Yeah. Yeah. I would you, say you, you went a little no, off okay, course okay. there, Cass, because Killjoy is definitely not a must pick on most maps and you'd absolutely need either a Viper or an Astra. Right. If right. We're talking you, you do need, you do need a controller. I wasn't even thinking about that. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Given those, given those agents that I just named, who do you drop? You can, you can definitely drop a Killjoy in, in favor of a Cypher or in favor of a chamber for um, different comps. Like, you don't need the Killjoy lockdown. Like, there's a lot of team comps that don't have that. Um, or you drop the jet. If you're going to have, if you're going to run like a double duelist comp, maybe you just run it as a single duelist comp, drop the jet yeah. for um, for the chamber, and then you have your other duelist as a. Um, uh, Reyna, Raze. Mm-hmm. The other ones are not very good. Sorry, Hunter. So, 
I'll, I'll take that. Uh, yeah, uh, your buff is coming. You just wait. <laughs> can't can't wait. Uh, uh, rework. Rework. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be plat in no time once your gets buffed. <laughs> it's not necessarily a buff. They could completely change literally everything about the way the agent works. Yeah, what happens if you just you don't no longer like, like Oru? Yeah. <laughs> I will be... <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'll, I'll play Valorant a lot less if they ruin Yoru with the change, <laughs> because I just love Yoru, and uh, yeah, that will be mega sad. Okay, cool. Um, unless anybody has any, any more comments, I um, think, think we should move on here. Well, actually, I do have one more comment, and okay. that's that when you were, I think a big a big problem with the current meta when it comes to agents that we touched on in a lot of detail in the agents podcast, the very first one, is that Sky right now is either a must pick or at least you've got to consider picking her on every single map because she is so good. And what that means is that a lot of duelists who you would otherwise really want in your comp because they flash so effectively you don't need because you have the flashes of sky. So Reyna, Phoenix, and Yoru are getting currently a lot less picks than they would if sky was, first of all, completely removed from the game. Because right now, if you if teams run Jet, then you need someone else who can flash because Jet is, I think, the only duelist who doesn't have a flash. Uh, and Raise. if you think Raise. about it, if you... Yeah. What'd you say? Raise. Raise. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. I'm being dumb. Right. So Raze and Jet are the only duelists who don't have flashes. So if you're running, you know, the, one of those agents, you need someone else to have flashes. But if you think about what if you took Sky and you only gave her two flashes, and I don't think that's necessarily the best way to go. But if you did that, then I think you could imagine the possibility of, you know, maybe you swap out, maybe you swap out your duelist of Jet for someone who can flash and then instead of the sky, you have the chamber. And something needs to be done about skies. So I think that will be really interesting to see. In, so yeah, in combination with some other agent changes, it could be uh, or solidify a, a better place for chamber in the meta. Mm-hmm. Yeah, specifically to sky. Uh, I think that could really bring him into consideration. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about let's talk about some of the maps here. Um, mm-hmm. Hunter. What is your favorite map in the game? This is a tough one because ever since the game came out, Bind has been my favorite uh, map, and Fracture is giving it a good run for its money, but I haven't played enough Fracture to really conclusively say. So I'm going to say either Bind or Fracture. Okay. Chase, your wow, favorite that, map? That is such a hot take. I've, <laughs> that's, I mean, I shouldn't be surprised coming from a Yoru main, but yeah, like, yeah. saying that Fracture is your favorite map is just... I mean, insane <laughs> at this point. Um, okay, well, I'm sure we'll get back to that. But uh, if I had to choose a, a favorite map, it'd probably be Haven. Um, Haven or Bind, I like a lot. Um, mostly because I, I play a lot of Brim, and I, I feel like I do well with Brim on those maps. Um, he seems to get a lot of utility. Uh, specifically on Bind, I really like playing Brim on Bind. Uh, yeah, so those are probably my favorite. Although when you look up the stats, it's they're not my highest win rate. My highest win rate somehow comes on split, where I play breach. They don't know the meaning of the win rate. <laughs> so I don't know why I have an over eighty percent win rate on split. 
Um, but I it's do. actually kind of insane. <laughs> yeah, I, maybe I it, I just don't get split a lot, and I happen to do well. It could just be dumb luck. But um, yeah, not my favorite to play. Maybe it's because you're actually a closet uh, breach main, and you play breach on split basically <laughs> exclusively. Yeah, probably. That's that's probably it. <laughs> maybe I just need to play breach more on all the other maps. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna go with ascent here. Uh, kind of a hard toss-up between Ascent and Haven for me. Um, but God, walking down mid on Ascent with an op is just so satisfying. Uh, just, you know, like, one of the more satisfying things for me is when people stop peeking B-Links, or Top Cat, because they're just like, fuck that, I'm gonna get opped. Um, and then, like, you can just completely take control of mid. Uh, so I, I'm a big fan of Ascent. Um, as my favorite map. Yeah, I mean, I like Ascent a lot, too. Um, in general, I'm not a big fan of long sight lines, so mid is not where I play. Mm -hmm. I'd much rather be playing on site A or B. But um, I, I think it has a good mix as a map of both of those things. There, There's a good mix of long sight lines and short because coming onto sites you have a lot of very close angles but then the mm -hmm. whole mid area is very long and open so i think it's a cool map design i really feel that uh ascent is the uh you know the basic hot girl on twitter right she's she's very <laughs> twitter i meant to say tinder the basic hot girl on tinder right she she's cute she has in her interests uh traveling uh, she maybe has some, uh, her, her, uh, signs in there as well. It's like, you know, you let's know go what on you're an getting adventure. into. <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's go on an adventure. You know what you're getting into when you swipe right on that profile. The same like way as you know what you're getting into when you queue up for an Ascent match. And it's not a bad thing. It's just, it is what it is. You, you, you know what you're getting. That's okay. a good way of putting it. It's kind of like, I, it's like the map, if that makes sense. It's like. If you were to is, try to explain I, the game to somebody, like I feel like that's yeah. the map you should okay. go I, to. I think Ascent is the Dust 2 of Valorant. And I know you guys are non-CS players, so you might not really know what Dust 2 is, but... I know what Dust 2 is. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea, so enlighten me. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought everyone knew. So I, I definitely agree with you that like Ascent is kind of like the default map. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I... I, don't know, I I think it's a really well designed map. Cass but... likes that. I know his type, and his type is pretty <laughs> default. Basic. <laughs> <laughs> He's swiping right on those profiles. Yeah. Uh, okay. So one of the interesting things that Riot has done with their map design is every map has a gimmick. Yeah. Right. Um. If you look at. Okay. Let's go in order. Um, so Ascent has those doors you can close with the switch, mm -hmm. uh, and then shoot out. Bind has its teleporters. Um, Haven has three bomb sites. I think Icebox came out next. Oh no, Split, Split. Um, Split had the, the vents, right? Let me, let me correct you real quick to say that, uh, the, the maps in the beta were Haven, Bind, uh, Split. I feel like I'm forgetting one. Maybe it was just those three. And then Ascent was actually the map that launched with the game. So Ascent oh, was the first okay. map to come out. 
Okay. Um, I believe I believe Split's original gimmick was the the ropes, right? Yeah. Uh, which have been reused in other maps. Um, so Iceline's gimmick was the Icebox. horizontal. Sorry, Icebox. <laughs> uh, Icebox's gimmick was the horizontal rope. The zip line, as yeah. well as the ability to plant up or down. Yeah. And let me um, go back to Split real quick to say that in addition to the ropes, another distinctive feature of Split uh, is, and it's kind of in the name, is that there is no quick path from attacker spawn into mid. So you're really split in whether you lean towards A or B, unlike the other maps. So that's another kind of part of the gimmick of it. Um, oh, also, I didn't consider this earlier, but it had um, it's got sewers. I believe that's the first inclusion of like water on the map that's audible um okay what came out next so we've got icebox you can plant up or low and it's got that horizontal i think breeze was the one that came out next yep Yep. okay so this is the one that i want to that i I really want to get to here because their gimmick was drop and when is the last time you've seen anybody take drop yeah drop is the worst feature of breeze well, there's that, and there's also the closable door that you can't destroy, unlike yeah. the doors on Ascent. Oh, yeah, that is true. And I, I do remember can be open and closed from each side. Yeah. I do remember seeing a clip of Asuna somehow having the brain capacity to keep tapping that switch to keep the door shut. Yeah. To lock somebody in halls in there while taking gunfights with other people, and that was mind-boggling. Classic Asuna. Okay, but yeah, like, drop is what I really want to talk about here. Like, what the fuck is the point of that? Um, it's kind of cool. It It's funny to, like, throw your pistol through it. <laughs> but it's pretty useless in-game. Like, unless you have complete mid-control, like, dropping out of it is just so audible, and everyone knows exactly where your head's going to be as soon as you drop through. So mm-hmm. it's very easy to punish. And if you have complete mid-control, there's not a huge reason to take it. So you just really don't see drop used a lot. Yeah. I don't do this often, uh, just because I more often play Viper on Breeze than my main, Yoru. But I feel like Yoru is uniquely positioned to use drop because you can flash out of it right before you drop. You can take a gunfight, and then you can teleport back into holes or anywhere else. But that's a pretty edge case, given that that's only one agent I can think of for that. And that agent is an agent who is never picked, basically. Also, yeah. well, yeah. why, why would you want to? Or like Phoenix is the same way where you could ult and then go through drop and go through drop, like take a a gunfight, hopefully get a kill somewhere in mid, and then you end up back in halls. Back, okay. I mean, okay, I guess I could potentially see it having some use in post plant scenario when like you get bombed down on A and then you get a call out like oh two mid, and like a Phoenix is going to ult and go through drop if he's already in halls. But I, I feel like, I don't know, I, I feel like I just never see Drop ever used. And they made such a big deal about it when, like, the map was coming out. They're like, oh yeah, we've got this really cool thing that you can, like, go through. Um, and it just never gets used. I mean, I think the gimmick more on Breeze is just that every sightline is very long. Yeah. Like, so if we're, that's more of the quote-unquote gimmick, is or what makes it different from other maps, is that it really puts you into long long range gunfights more than more so than any other map does 
Yeah, it's interesting how some maps, the gimmick of the map, as in the unique feature of, you know, you use something and it does something that doesn't happen on other maps. On some maps, that thing is extremely key to the the map. Like on Bind, the teleporters drastically change how you play the map. Whereas on Breeze, I mean, there are there are maps, there are rounds where, you know, the drop and the uh, closable the the door that has a switch on both sides aren't used at all. Well, because they're and both on that one site too. Yeah, but I mean, even even if it's you're just looking at one site, sometimes people don't go into halls. They do like a split mid caves push and don't yeah. really worry about halls. And I don't know that that necessarily has a lot to say about whether the map is good or bad. It's just that some of the gimmicks are more emphasized than designed than others. I mean, you definitely go rounds on bind in which nobody takes TP. Yeah, but it is very integral to the way the bind works and the fact that you can very yeah. quickly uh, rotate through teleport. Yeah. Um, yeah, like if you if you're on defense and you're playing uh, B site hookah, and uh, you know the other team is pushing onto A, you're at least thinking about the possibility that they're gonna they're gonna hit TP and come back to uh, mm-hmm. to B, uh, and that affects you know how you do your rotate. Yeah, definitely. And then I mean fracture. If we want to go to the last map and their gimmick is that there are there's very large zip lines and. Obviously, well, you, you start in defense in the middle, and you have to come on attack from the outside and mm-hmm. take the middle of the map. Uh, instead yeah. of the, like, two sides capture the flag scenario. Yeah. Uh, I I think that, now, I have no idea how to play Fracture. Um, but you're, that's how you play Fracture. <laughs> okay, but I really, really like how they've completely flip the script on how a tactical FPS plays with this map design. Um, yeah. Now, I, I know it was briefly played in Red Bull Homegrounds, uh, which was an EU pro tournament. Uh, don't know if you guys caught any of those games. Uh, that being nope. said, the games I, that I did yeah. catch, none of them were played on uh, Fracture. They did play some Fracture games on Homeground. I didn't yeah. watch any of the games, but I, I got some recap from Plat Chat, so um, I know a little bit about what happened. Okay, um, I, I'm really interesting to see or interested to see uh, number one how much that changes team comps, uh, and number two, just how pros approach that map. Yeah, yeah, because I think currently. Sorry, uh, just give me one second here. Yeah. Currently, what we've kind of come to the decision of is you either go two smokes or you go no smoke. Mm-hmm. Um, like, either you have one person to smoke off each site or you just say, fuck it, we don't need smokes. Uh, so I'm interested to see how pros approach that um, and whether certain agents who don't get a lot of play actually see some some increased pick rate on that map. For example, Breach. Yeah, we talked about that in the agent episode where, when we were talking about Breach and how mm-hmm. we've heard that he could be used more on Fracture, um, specifically because of the Killjoy ult. But and just having angles that you can flash through better than other maps. Yeah. Um, but I mean, for the most part, I just don't know how to play Fracture. I've played it quite a bit now in just ranked, and I lose a lot. Like, I just don't... I, it's very difficult for me to wrap my mind around, like, what angles to hold and where people could be pushing, because there's so many places they could push from. 
Um, that like it's just I don't know I ca I can't do it yet. So maybe that'll be developed as I play more of it. Um, but yeah, it is a very different map design in general. Yeah, the the thing that I find interesting about it is that uh, the before the map came out, there was a lot of talk about how the zip lines in the middle could allow you to rotate in the middle of the round and be you know on the completely opposite side of the map. But what I've seen out of the zip lines from my time playing it in comp and even unrated as well is. The zip lines are primarily used for setting up the offense, setting up before the round starts, and then never touched throughout the rest of the round. Because if you fast zip line as the offense to rotate, then you're, the noise of doing that is incredibly audible to anyone who is remotely near mid. And then, regardless of your offense or defense, you're so vulnerable since it's so long that even if you decide to hold shift as you're doing it to be super sneaky, that you would really have to depend on someone not looking at the zip line to see you coming because the minute they look, you're dead. I was uh, well there. I was there. about whoa, to bring whoa, this whoa up. There. Yes, is a great okay, example okay. to bring up because earlier today, Cass has a little bit of a story to to tell oh, baby. tell you about. I'm excited. Okay, so yeah, uh, this was before you had hopped on. Um, but basically, I am sitting in the the side that the attackers don't spawn on, the one that you need to like get across to. Yep, yep. Um, and I got bombed out, and I know Omen's pushing me from arcade, so I'm mostly worried about that. And I didn't notice this, but Chase, were you spectating me? I was spectating Cass this entire yeah. time, and very, very slowly, you see a Sova come into view across the zip line, just <laughs> very slowly. And Cass is just holding the off angle, waiting for an omen. And the Sova is getting larger and larger and larger on his screen. Um, I didn't see him at all. <laughs> That's great. But, okay, but then Chase called it out, and so I flick over and I start shooting at this Sova. And he fucking one taps me on the road way through the zip line. <laughs> I mean, Fired that's a single goddamn bullet and killed me when he was literally <laughs> halfway between, like, literally underneath the dead center of the map. I mean, Must I think be this, hacking. Report him. <laughs> this just like proves Hunter's point more is that it's so rarely used that Cass, you didn't even expect somebody to be coming across zip line. No, not right. at all. Even though we knew that you didn't have control over that side of the map, that you were like, oh, I'm holding this angle. I'm not even going to be paying attention to what's happening on Zipline. There's no one coming across there. And in this one instance, yeah. there was, and it worked out for them. But it's because it was such a surprise um, due to the fact that nobody ever uses it mid-round. Yeah. And I don't feel like that's necessarily a bad thing because the whole idea of sites being able to be pushed from two sides is so unique that I think it really makes rounds interesting on Fracture, even if it's not being used in the middle of the round. And uh, I I think I've only, I think I've exclusively played Yoru on Fracture and I've only played seven comp games. That's so not a huge sample size, but I have a healthy five and two record for 71% so far. And that kind of backs up what I'm saying of me enjoying it and me feeling like Yoru is incredible on the map because of, you know, the ability to uh, misdirect and 
traverse ground quickly with the teleporter and just cause havoc in general. One of the most fun moments I've had on Fracture is where I was watching the zip line and I was like just chilling on, you know, one side of it and a I was I think I'm pretty sure I was on offense and a jet from the other team, it doesn't really matter what the agent was because she didn't use any abilities. She pushed out of B and hopped on the zip line and I just I thought she was going to cross in front of me, so I didn't take the shot. <laughs> but then I ulted and hopped on the zip line after her and then popped out and shot her right as she got across the other side. And that was extremely fun. Yeah, I keep, like, Fracture is definitely unique. And I'm, I want to play it more because I feel like I'm going to like the map. But yeah. as of now, I just don't know how to play it. And so that makes me not like it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, should we move on to yeah. uh, to Smurfs again? Yeah, I know we covered um, a bit about we, the we agents. Did, we did cover Smurfs briefly, um, but now, quick question before we do that: Do we want to really quickly say what our least favorite maps are before we move on? What do you, what do you guys think? Um, I would, at this point, say Breeze probably, just because I'm not into the long sightlines, which I which I mentioned earlier. Um, I'm surprised actually that Cass is about to say Breeze as well because he likes to op so much and the op is okay i realize what my downfall is um my downfall is i never end up taking long range gunfights with rifles because i'll take them with an op and on breeze i can't always buy an op but i'm forced to take a bunch of long range gunfights so i lose them all (laughs) um and also because I, so I, I know everybody says like Breeze is an opera's paradise. Um, and I don't necessarily agree with that because on a bunch of other sites, like it's very known exactly where they're going to be pushing you from. Right. And so if I take a far away angle and I can hold that down with an op, that's really powerful. But like holding, trying to hold mid with an op on Breeze is is horrible. There's so many different places that they could come from. And like Breeze has so many different ways to access site that like I, I don't want to be so tunnel visioned in my op all the time. And I, I, I just don't enjoy opping on Breeze anywhere near as much as I enjoy opping on other maps. Yeah, I'm gonna Yeah, I, I get that. I'm gonna come out here and say split. I think I'm very in, I'm very interested in like the strategy and the tactics of Valorant. Uh, that's the thing that makes me most excited about it. And uh, the reason I don't like Split is because it feels like it has the most stale strategy to it, which is that assuming the teams are evenly matched, uh, which they often aren't, which leads into our next topic, but assuming they are, Split boils down in so many cases to both on offense and defense. You take mid, you win. You don't take mid, you lose. Because the choke points for both A and B are fairly narrow. And so if you are trying to not have anyone mid on attack, or, uh, on attack and just push a site, if the other team is halfway decent, they you won't have a ton of success with that. Whereas if you can take mid, you have you have the whole... The, the, the map is your oyster. And that's what I don't like. It's just very stale, in, the, in my opinion. Well, I feel like the, the big thing about mid on split is that's what allows you to rotate quickly. Like you were saying by in the name of the map, like it's very split off, right? A and B. 
and mm-hmm. having like the the rotate from a like you you're you're playing say you're playing a ramp right and you get the call like oh it's a heavy beat and you're rotating mm-hmm. over if you don't have mid that takes so long to get to B. Oh like, yeah. You got to go all the way through your spawn like that takes a lot of time. And so I feel like that is the value uh, of taking mid on that map. But yeah. I do agree with you. Like Which mid is, is what something that, yeah. is that yeah, CEO like has immense you're value. With me. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I'm absolutely agreeing with you. Like you, you kind of have to contest mid unless you are literally just going to death ball onto site. Just all five of us like guns blazing, let's go. Yep. Which I do believe is more viable at our ELO. Yeah. For sure. So um, on to Smurfs, speaking of ELO. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So um I believe we are all three still in silver, correct? For the for the moment, yes. I've been yeah, having okay. a, a bit of a lose streak recently, but uh, I um, have as well. I, I was still on a in silver game skid. <laughs> uh, until earlier today I was on a seven game skid. Um which has since been turned around. But I think silver is probably where you run into the most smurfs. You do you think so? I feel like Excuse me. I mean unless you're immortal radiant, there's probably smurfs at every level. Yes. I don't know, like obviously we can talk about the smurfs in silver because that's where we spend most of our time. Yeah. Um but I I'm not confident that like silver is the place where the most smurfs are. I mean, silver is the place where most players are. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, I think the problem. Okay, so I don't think there are a ton of iron Smurfs, unless you're Smurfing from, say, bronze. Um, right. But because it, it's kind of hard to remain an iron Smurf, you get moved out of there very, very quickly. Um, yeah, which is good on Riot's part. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I feel like once you once you start to move up a bit, right? And like I feel like you you probably move out of bronze fairly quickly. Um and okay, obviously if you're a radiant level player, say Tens or Asana decided to create a smurf, um, they'd probably get moved up very, very quick as well. But I feel like you get a lot of people who make their way into the high elos, uh, stop doing as well comparatively, and then get frustrated and create a smurf to go back to dunking on people and feeling like they're a god. Yeah, or even if they are actually still climbing, like, you know, Mm -hmm. it gets more and more stressful and you have to sweat harder and harder the higher the ranks you go. And so people decide, you know, sometimes I want to dunk on some kids and that's that's when they, you know, hop on their smurf. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sucks, obviously, to be in a game where you're like, okay, my team is bunch of silver people and so is theirs and then you tr- it turns out one of theirs is you know gold diamond mm-hmm. platinum whatever yeah. some somewhere in there that they're smurfing down to silver i mean it's the worst because they're going to drop 40 kills and you feel like you just got robbed of your rr right and like yeah. when, when somebody is that much better than you in gun skill like it's oppressive right like you're going up against uh, like someone who's smurfing on jet, and they buy an op, and like it's just like Jesus Christ! I don't even want to push this site. Like well, we're we're just gonna get picked off one by one, or someone's just like running down at you with Reyna, and they're gonna win that gunfight and dismiss out of there or heal up. 
Um, like it, it's it's very very oppressive when someone is just that much better than you with their gun skill. Yeah, and uh, I I agree, and I feel like this is an important time to uh, put in an important disclaimer that there's sort of a, a moral question and a practical question. Like morally, what do we think about you know someone smurfing? And then there's also the practical question of uh, to what extent should Riot combat this? And we'll get into both. But I feel like it's really important to disclaim here that both of us, all three of us often play with a friend of ours who's in plat and does smurf down so he can play with us in silver. Uh, it's not primarily for him about the joy of dunking on noobs, and often he does use strategies and weapons that are not meta. He's He's not just trying to kill as many people as possible, but so that he can play with us at our level, we do play with the Smurf. So anything negative we say about Smurfs is is based on our frustrations with them, but uh, we don't want to come off as like, oh, all Smurfs are horrible because mm-hmm. <laughs> we'd be very hypocritical yeah. if yeah. we said that. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, it, it completely makes sense. Riot has these ELO bands that you can play with, right? Yeah. So if you are in our level, we can play with iron to silver three, iron one to silver three, and then silver one to gold three. Yep. Um, can all play yeah. together. So, I mean, if you have a friend like we do, who's in platinum and cannot play with us, obviously we want to play the game with him. It's a, it's a sh- social game. I like playing with my mm. friends. Hence why I like playing right. with you guys. So it makes it a lot of fun Aww. to be able to play with him. Um, yeah, I mean, morally, not great because he's just is better in gun skill than our opponents are going to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just speaking of today, I think he did play several matches exclusively with a judge and was vying for top frag <laughs> with nothing but a judge and maybe a sheriff as a secondary. Um, yeah. But and the difference is vying for like he he was similar to like I mean you popped off and got top frag for most of one map right like Mm -hmm. it he's playing at at a level that would be similar to someone doing well in our in our rank Um, but oftentimes that's not the case with other people smurfing down yeah. Yeah, and I Um, I want to come back to what you said, Chase, about you said, well, morally, I don't know about it, or it's morally not so good. Um, I learned an important lesson when I was a little kid. I was a very conscientious, by-the-book little kid, I can tell you that. And I was at a soccer camp, and I was probably, like, between six and eight, so I was young. And uh, at uh, at one point, the the camp, camp counselor, he was probably, like, a high school or college student, he stopped the the play of the of the game to award a handball penalty to my team that someone on the other team had touched the ball with their hand and i was uh up close and i saw oh actually i'm getting it reversed right it was it was that uh i had touched the ball with my hand and he didn't notice that's what it was i'm remembering the story better now so i had touched the ball with my hand and he didn't call it as a as a penalty uh, and so I tried to stop the game. I, I went up to him. And I was like, Hey, I touched the ball with my hand. Like that should be a penalty. And he, he said, no, it, just keep playing. And then later he took me aside and he said, Hey, it's, it's my job as the person refing the game to, to call that penalty. 
if I don't call the penalty, it's not your responsibility to, you know, make sure something is enforced that you think should be happening. And I kind of, that really did affect my outlook on sports and competitive games to where uh, smurfing is not directly, as far as I understand, you guys can push back on me if I'm wrong, against Riot's terms of service. What's a little bit weird about that is that boosting, though, is of deliberately queuing with a smurf in order to increase your rank, which isn't actually what we're doing because, you know, we're not trying to get our ranks crazy high. Alex isn't trying to, <laughs> isn't trying to like, you know, just frag out as much as possible to get our ranks up. Uh, so I think we're in a bit of a gray area, but the way I feel about it is that if it's not against the rules and they're not, you know, implementing systems to prevent it from happening, I don't know that I have to feel morally bad about myself or others in my party uh, smurfing if that's not how the system is set up. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I mean, I think that Riot does a pretty good job of combating smurfing. It's not perfect, and I don't think it ever will be. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're talking about Riot as the ref here, then yeah. what they said that within 10 games, most smurfs are back into a reasonable rank. And so... Well, but I, I think that does assume solo queuing, though. Because, like, you get into it, and... Like, also speaking about solo queuing, is you're equally as likely to have a smurf on your team as, like, you are the other team. Well, you're slightly less likely. Okay, to I guess you're slightly less likely team. to have yeah. one on your team, given that you are one of those players. Right. Um, but the, the, like, the, the whole aspect of, like, Riot trying to, and claiming that they get people out of the rank within 10 games, I think is kind of broken apart by the fact that, like, oftentimes you're not solo queuing on a smurf. Um, right. And so, just based on the lobbies that we get into, right, like, like let's say Alex on his smurf does go and solo queue a game, they could have him play up against, like, platinums, or up against diamonds, diamond players, if that's what his hidden MMR says to see where he actually belongs. Like, that's something that Riot has done. And back when, Chase, back when you were in Iron, and I had a... I had a bronze smurf so that we could play together before they implemented the whole um, iron to silver thing. Uh, the the one game that I solo queued, like I was playing up against golds, uh, which is a rank that I have never seen before, like on my act card. Um, and so I think once you get into queuing with other people as a smurf, it's a lot harder for them to drag you out within that 10 game threshold. Possibly, but if you pop off and you're doing well as a smurf, you're still going to get that performance bonus. You're going to go up like 30 RR, and you're going to be out of that rank pretty quickly. Um, so regardless if you're solo queuing, if you're solo queuing, yeah, they, they might be able to place you in higher games. Um, mm -hmm. But then you might lose those games, and then you're going to stay in the rank that you are. But if you're actively smurfing with people, that's what the problem is, because then you're going to be in games with lower ELO players um, as a smurf, right? So, And then you're going to yeah. do well. You're going to get a higher boost from winning that game, and then you'll mm -hmm. be out of the rank sooner. Yeah, and I think there are two kind of diff different problems associated with what you guys have been talking about of a smurf queuing with their friends. One is that if the if the smurf is really you know trying their hardest and really popping off 
then I think even if they are queuing with people, they will tend to move up and out of the ranks where they can queue with those people. But you also have Smurfs who, like our friend, who don't necessarily pop off hugely every game because they're goofing around a little bit, they're trying different things, and so they don't necessarily get moved out, and I don't know if that's necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, and then there's the other issue, which I think is the big thing that you see it with, uh, people have been talking about it with streamers, is when you have not only a Smurf, but then you also have someone else on the team who is intentionally or unintentionally boosted. I think the biggest unintentional case of boosting is when someone doesn't solo queue very much at all and they primarily play with their friends and they're one of the people who the person has to smurf to play with. And then in that case, their rank very often ends up being higher than they actually would be if they solo queued. So then you have this awkward scenario that uh, we've encountered on our team as well as we've encountered on other teams we face where one person is clearly, it, it can be one and one, it can be other combinations. One person is clearly much better than what their rank says they are. And then one person is clearly much worse than what their friend, what their uh, rank says they are. And it just creates this sort of weird thing where you look at the scores at the end of the match and you're like, what? <laughs> these ranks yeah. make no sense based on how these people did. Absolutely. I mean, and it could, some of that, if you're looking at the scores at the end, could be chalked up to just, you know, some people having a good game. If you're giving oh, people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but it, it, that definitely happens where players are boosted and players are smurfing and they often happen in tandem. Yeah, I mean, just speaking from our own group, uh, none of us, not trying to name names, but there are definitely some people who we queue with who are absolutely boosted by the people in our group who are smurfing. And it's, uh, it's not necessarily the end of the world. I mean, they're still improving and stuff. They're still learning a lot. But uh, it, it definitely happens, and it's it's a part of the dynamic because when you have that person who has a high who is a higher rank than they really should be, then that means that the Smurf is not getting is is not getting uh, pushed forwards as much necessarily because they're not always winning the games that they would be if they're solo queuing. Because if you have people, if you have a group of four people who are all at the rank they should be, and then you have one person who's a smurf, who's a much higher rank in terms of their skill, then you would expect that that whole group is winning more than the the ranks would indicate that they should, and the smurf is getting performance bonuses and is going to be moved pretty quickly to their their correct rank. Whereas if you have three people who are the rank that uh, they should be, one person who is heavily boosted and one person who's heavily smurfing, then that group may not actually win that much more than the group of the three people who are actually that rank would otherwise. And then that means that the the person who's at the bottom will continue to get boosted and the smurf will not actually be moved up to their correct level. And I think that's what we see. you end up seeing a lot. I mean, in that case, is that a problem? I guess is the question because if you're yeah, and performing I think it's not just as well, if you're performing yeah. just as well as a team that is all of that rank, then in that case, the smurfing is not an issue. I agree. Yeah, I was just kind of descri- describing the scenario that I see a lot. I, I, I tend to agree with that conclusion that it's it's not a really a big deal. It just makes it a little bit weird when you end up having a raid boss. On the other team, when you're facing that scenario where you're like, oh, well, let's avoid the enemy jet because they are cracked 
and let's go after this person who's clearly not very good. It just really changes the way you play. And I think that people get frustrated with that. But once you realize that's how it works, it uh, isn't really that big of a deal because you can find and exploit those weaknesses. Definitely. I mean, it does suck when you're queuing and you're not the team with the Smurf on it. So, like, right. I solo queue a lot, and it'll end up where, you know, I'll have a couple silvers and a couple bronze on a team. And, you know, there's, like, you know, maybe silver two is the highest player and bronze two is the lowest. And the other team's ranks are the same. But their bronze two is actually, you know, a flat one. So right. it's your worst player on your team is the worst player in the game, and their worst player on their team, quote-unquote, is actually the best player in the game. Just completely messes with the skill disparity. Um, For sure. Which I think is, I mean, it, it just sucks. Hopefully that it gets is. dealt with eventually, and then maybe you have the same thing happen to your team at some point, um, which will even it out. But, I mean, as a player, it makes you not want to play the game it like it is very frustrating when you're in a game like that. Yeah, yeah. It, it is definitely frustrating to just get one tapped every time you peek an angle because someone's just that much better than you. Um, For sure. But okay, but then this leads into the question of like sometimes you pop off. Like sometimes you just seem like you can do no wrong, right? Yeah. You peek that angle, you get that immediate one tap. You you keep pushing onto site. You you guess correctly where the next person's going to swing you from. You get another one tap. And, like, you can have games where you drastically outperform what you should be performing at, right? And so I guess, like, a lot of times I feel like perhaps I'm, I'm like, chalking it up to, oh, like, that, that Phoenix has got to be a Smurf. But maybe he's just having a really good game. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I feel um, like that is people's go-to of like oh they had a smurfing jet but yeah maybe that jet actually was just popping off for that game yeah and, and i feel like obviously unless you consistently run into this same person and they've got a rather unique username um i don't know it's it, it is rather hard to tell right um yeah i mean definitely there are some times like if we're in a game of mostly silvers and there's this iron three running around one-tapping everybody. Probably safe to say that they're a Smurf. Yeah, I mean, um, that recently happened in, in a game that I wasn't a part of, but you guys were just playing. Um, is that there was a, an Iron 3 Sova on the other team that was absolutely not. Like, sometimes it's obvious that, in a like you said, in a game with all silvers, if there's a Iron 3 ranked player top-fragging, um, probably not actually iron three yeah <laughs> yeah and i feel like it's easier to 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 tell based on your subjective experience in the game of how consistently and effectively they're doing using their utility and even more importantly aiming because the scoreboard i think is much less reliable than you know you having a sense for what people of different skill levels can do mm -hmm. yeah i mean definitely there's times where the scoreboard can lie and be yeah. like, oh, like, it looks like this player had a fine game, but you know that those were, like, zero impact kills after the round was basically over or something like that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, well, or you know, a player who, just, or a time when your team just you know performed terribly and didn't adjust well, and a player on the other team was just exploiting that. And uh, you know, maybe there was a maybe there was a time where the enemy phoenix kept flashing at the perfect time when you're pushing garage on split, and you your team just didn't adjust well at all. And you know, he wasn't doing anything nutty for his skill level. It was mm-hmm. just he was being smart, and your team was not. And he got a lot of kills off of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I will say, usually what I use to determine uh, whether someone's, like, smurfing or not, or they're just playing really well, is movement. Um, because it, it's something that Alex pointed out when we uh, when we all made new new accounts the other day to play with your father and get him into the game. Yep. Um, I played that game exclusively with a Markle. And I, I didn't necessarily notice this at the time, but... Like, I, I did really, really well in that game using only a marshal and never, like, a, an actual, like, meta gun. Yeah. Um, And it was a lot easier for me to, to know when you're going to peak, how you're going to peak, what the cadence of your, your movement's going to be, and how to predict where you're going to end up. Um, Whereas I find that, like, as you play against better players, their their movement is what really separates them. Like, it's not just their aim. And so I feel like if someone has really nutty movement that is not corresponding to their rank, like, that's kind of the dead giveaway to me that you're probably a smurf. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm actually going to, just because we, we are running a bit long, um, uh, I'm going to nix several of these topics. We'll get to those in next week's episode. And uh, let's just finish up here with the topic of uh, new agent abilities, because that's something Hunter was really excited to talk about. So, Hunter, you want to kick us off with that? Or, Uh, sorry, maybe I phrased that topic wrong. Um, Just things we want to see in the game for new agents, if I wasn't clear about that. I might actually throw a curveball here. Uh, You know, being a Phoenix main when I started the game and say that that might be a topic saved for next episode so that you guys okay. have time to think about it yourself. Uh, I might throw out one thing here uh, to conclude the podcast as a sort of tangent from the smurfing topic. And that's that I had an epiphany just now as we were talking about smurfing. And uh, that was a really, it's a really positive thought. And that's that I think it's really unique in the current competitive, you know, multiplayer game space that we we mentioned you said it cast i think chase and i didn't even bother responding because we so wholeheartedly agree uh that when someone is popping off in the game and they're absolutely fragging out the first thought that comes to our head is they must be a smurf and as much as smurfing may be frustrating i think valorant is incredibly unique in that that's where our head goes instead of cheating so many other games these days have an epidemic where so many people are able to so effectively cheat at the game that when you die, uh, that's the first thought that comes to your head because there are so many cheaters. Like There's a game that I play a good bit and that Chase uh, used to play until he got really fed up with it, and that's uh, Escape from Tarkov where there is a huge cheater problem. So when you die from a somewhat improbable shot, the first thought that comes into your head is they had something else installed that gave them an unfair advantage in the game. 
And that's so many orders of magnitude more frustrating than, okay, this guy is better than his, his skill level that he's slotted in in terms of his rank. And it's not just Escape from Tarkov, whether it's Call of Duty Warzone, whether it's Titanfall to a lesser extent, even Apex has had this problem. I think it's a really unique and special thing with Valorant that they've done such a good job with their anti-cheat that, you know, the problem is the smurfing, which, as we've discussed, isn't necessarily that much of a problem. What do you guys have to say about that? I mean, as someone who hasn't played a lot of different video games, right? Like, Valorant is kind of the first video game I've gotten into in this kind of way. Um, Mm -hmm. I haven't experienced much else. So for me, I mean, smurfing is the biggest problem. But I could completely see what you're saying is that in all these other games, um, and I do know a bit from Tarkov, like you were saying, um, that, yeah, cheating is a massive problem. And the fact that we never think about that in Valorant is like, oh, that person literally has aim assist. Like, that never goes through my mind. I'm just like, oh, they're really good. Mm -hmm. I guess that Mm -hmm. is... Uh, that's a better way to think about it of like, Hey, at least they're not cheating. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> at least <laughs> this is actually just someone that's good at the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause, okay. So coming from, like having played CSGO before, uh, I think, okay. So cheats, the way that I could see cheats working in Valorant would basically boil down to, to two things, uh, either aim assist or wall hack. Um, wall hacks being the harder one to detect based off someone's gameplay because it's just informational, right? It's like, um, do I peek left? Do I peek right? You don't have to guess, you know, uh, but it's hard to know, like if you're watching that back from like the client side perspective, right? Um, it's hard to know, like, did he just guess right? Or is there something else going on there, right? Um, like, did he just assume somebody was backsight, or did he know? Whereas the the more easy one to tell would be the the aim assist, right? For sure. Where someone's aim is unnaturally good to the point where, like, like they're, they're flicking directly to targets' heads. No overshoot with like a micro adjust back or anything. It's just right to their head, boom, they're dead. Um, And I think that one is a lot harder to get away with, whereas wall hacks would be easier to get away with. But then you've got a character in the game called Sova who gives you wall hacks. Right. Like, I, I, I feel like there's a lot that goes on in this game that kind of limits the, the cheats that are easier to get away with if that makes sense like it's just not necessary but also like it's not i feel like riot's done a good job of making sure that those cheats are not prevalent like obviously having an infinite silva recon would be incredible yeah Um, there's a reason why it pings three times and is destroyable and only goes to certain areas so there's a reason why it's considered one of the best abilities in the game yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that what you're saying is definitely right. Like some of those uh, cheats are just not as useful in Valorant, where uh, a version of it exists as part of the utility of the game. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it still would be useful. I think it's more on Riot's side of not letting those happen. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not trying to take away from like what Riot's doing with their anti-cheat system. 
Like, I, I, I do think, as Hunter pointed out, yeah, it, it is a really good thing about the current game state that my mind does not go to, oh, they're cheating. Um, yeah. Like, I, I definitely agree with Hunter in that, that that is a really good aspect of this this game. Yeah, what a, what yeah a and great... I think I think a reason why it's worth discussing is that uh, I think there is people have called into question like, oh, why does Riot need a kernel level anti cheat system that you know theoretically might have too much control over what it can do with your PC? And I totally understand people who say I don't want to install this game because I don't want to take the risk of it gathering my information or doing things to my computer, uh, especially if they have sensitive information on their computer. For myself, I just have determined that the risk isn't all that significant for me. I, to be honest, just don't have that much on this computer that if it got out, I would be screwed. Uh, if Riot is secretly collecting information on my uh, search history and my spending habits, like, oh, well, I don't care. <laughs> like, for, for me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. But I understand that people make that decision decision but the reason why i think it's worth bringing up is because i see people on online especially on reddit uh who don't play valorant saying things like it really is ridiculous that riot games has this program uh that's kernel level that doesn't even do a good job of it like you don't need kernel level for this you don't need this kind this much of an invasive anti-cheat and i'm not a software developer so i can't say how 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 much the uh, effectiveness of Riot's anti-cheat is based on the fact that it is running at the kernel level of your computer. But all I can say is that it's it's worth not strawmanning the argument of saying, you know, it's not even better because it's a it's a ton better. I mean, it's it has some of the lowest percentage of cheaters of like any game that's popular and is a competitive game, and that's something worth considering and commending. Absolutely, I think that's a it's a great happy note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, thanks for tuning in. Absolutely, yeah. Guys, thanks for coming out and talking to me about this. Uh, yeah. I had a good time. Absolutely. Um, we will see you guys oh, yeah. next week with those topics that we didn't reach in this episode. Yeah, and hopefully that'll sure. give both Chase and I some time to uh, to brainstorm some some new abilities we'd like to see into the game. Yeah, all right. See you later. Alrighty.